Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. Let us listen to God's word this morning. Paul has been talking about justification and faith and reconciliation in the first four chapters, and now he gets to chapter five, where he begins to speak more about how this is lived out. Chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained and have access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves God's love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by Christ's blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of God's Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, Will we be saved by Christ's life? But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, in this season of Lent, you call us to a time of learning. You call us to a time of considering your deep, deep love for us and how you have made that known to us in Jesus. We thank you that we have this time to focus on our spirits and on our learning. And so teach us. And pour your Holy Spirit into our hearts that we may have hope. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Sometime when I was in high school, the game Pong came out. This was the very first video game that you could play at home on your TV. Do you remember Pong? Now this was a stationary ping pong game, basically. 
and there was a virtual paddle which really consisted of nothing more than a vertical line that you could move up and down to block the ball from getting past. Now, by today's standard, this would not only just be a dinosaur in the world of computer games, this would be a dinosaur's egg. But we've moved on, and sometimes I play Nintendo with my daughters. We really like Mario Kart. Who knows Mario Kart? Okay, well Mario Kart is a racing game. And the way it works is that there are these funny little characters in little racing cars and there are different race courses. The easiest race course is Moo Moo Farm. And that is about my speed. All you have to do is ride around the race course and avoid cows and golfers that sometimes pop up. I can manage that. And sometimes I can even win. The most difficult course is Bowser's Castle. Now imagine a great stone fortress and a racetrack that goes up and down staircases and along this raceway are these massive stones that if you aren't careful will come down from the ceiling or side by side to crush you. And there's a fire-breathing dragon and a narrow bridge with no side rails over moats, moats of molten lava. I hate Bowser's Castle. And every time I play, I end up in the lava pit. Now, you get out of the lava pit, it just goes down and pulls you up. So eventually there really is the possibility that you can finish the race except when you're in number 12th position out of 12, and they just say, okay, far enough. Other players, when they finish first or second or even third, will make it to the finish line and get the giant trophy at the end. They actually go up on the little winner's platform, and there's a little celebration, and confetti flies out, and they get the glory of winning the trophy. In a way, this has been a metaphor for how we have understood our Christian journey. We are on a race towards heaven. Not that we have to go fast. We're trying not to get crushed. And if we believe Jesus died for our sins, we will avoid ending up in the fires of hell, i.e. lava pit, and we will win the glory of going to heaven. Did anybody learn that? But what if our Christian journey isn't about winning the race to avoid getting crushed and not end up in hell and going to heaven? What if there's just more to that? So much more.
This Lent, we've been talking about our Christian vocabulary and the story of how we understand our vocabulary and what that tells us. And we've been coming up with larger meanings of words like sin and salvation and opening these up so that we've understood sin as being more than the mistakes that we make. That, yes, for which we need to be forgiven and take responsibility. But the sin that is the sin that we are participating in, that is larger than us, that is systemic, and not only that, that sins against us and other people. So that sin is the powers and the principalities that diminish life. And sometimes we have nothing to do with that. It is larger than all of us, but it is there. And if we understand sin in this personal and corporate way, then we must understand God's salvation. Not just in a personal way of that which frees us from our own personal guilt and shame, but that is certainly there. But a salvation that is just as corporate and as large as those principalities and powers that enslave us, and other people, and all people, and put people into exile, and force people into poverty, and keep them there, that salvation is about having enough to eat. And salvation is about getting to go home if you're a refugee. And salvation is about being released from an addiction or from shame. So that there is this tremendous tremendous multidimensional way of thinking about sin and salvation and that salvation is that transformation of greater life and freedom and wholeness for ourselves and for our world well there are so many words in our Romans passage today like sin and salvation that I could preach for the rest of today and all night long, and most of tomorrow. But we won't do that. So let's focus on a few key words and see if we can find some of those larger, multidimensional meanings. The first two words that I want to talk about are righteousness and justification. A lot of times we hear that word righteousness and we hear it as self-righteousness. And we think about those who are righteous as being arrogant or judgmental or moralistic or holier than thou. But righteousness in scripture means doing what is right. It means doing the right thing. God is described as righteous because God does what is right. And not only that, in both the Greek and the Hebrew, the word and the original language for righteousness has the same root as the word justice. And in fact, 
Not only are they put in parallel poetry as synonyms of the same idea, but in Greek, often the same word is at the same time translated righteousness and justice. So to be a righteous person is also to be one who does what is just. And to say that God is righteous is to say that our God is a God of justice and a God who does, who, who does, who does what is just. And therefore, a righteous person is a just person. And we are justified meaning that we are set right with God. All who have been alienated or going in the wrong path or the wrong direction or didn't even know there was a right direction are made right with God. Justified. And at peace. That which separates us from God, gone. We are justified and at peace with God. We are justified, made right with God, made at peace with God by grace through faith. So we come to our next two words, grace and faith. The Greek for grace, charis, is God's goodwill, God's loving kindness towards us, an absolute gift of God. And there's a relationship between charis in the Greek and hased in the Hebrew. Loving kindness, steadfast love, God's disposition of favor and compassion towards human beings. And we accept this grace through faith. In the Greek, in this text, pistis. And faith that is more than believing in our heads, but faith that is trusting. Trusting in God's favor that has made us right with God. It's more than believing the right things about Jesus, it is in the believing and the trusting and our own faithfulness and fidelity and loyalty to all that Jesus is. A great theologian of the 20th century put it this way, said, accept that you are accepted. Accept that you are are accepted. So do we trust God's love? Do we trust God's love for us in Jesus Christ? And still, that trust, that loyalty is itself a gift that has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. What God is saying is that human beings are set right with God because God is kind, because God loves us. We need to be able to trust God's love for us. In other words, do we have faith? 
And that faith rises up because God's Holy Spirit is with us and at work in our hearts. So, how are we doing on our vocabulary lesson? Are you with me? We're going to keep going. Just two more. Glory and reconciliation. Glory comes from the Greek, Greek word doxa. It is God's own presence. God's own being. That has sometimes come to us in scripture in light, in beauty, in power, in a life energy. To share God's glory is to share in God's power of giving life and love. To share in God's transforming power. Glory of God. The light that transforms the darkness. The love that breaks through fear. This is the glory of God. Reconciliation. Catalasso. Also a word about changing relationships, about transformation. It is the movement that removes the conflict between people. But it's more than just being set right with God. Reconciliation is when enemies become friends. Paul says that this is salvation. A friendship with the source of life and love and the being of God. So, let's go back to the starting line of Bowser's Castle. Are you ready? The trophy the glory was not fame or money, nor even just a place we go after we die, but the very energy of God that is power and beauty and joy in the presence of God's realm, that peace and freedom, the wholeness of self and creation that is with us and is yet to come in the God's kingdom. That is what we're going for. But it's not just at the end. We can get into the flow of that on the way. So let's go back to that starting line. And at the start, not everybody is lined up at the starting line. There are people who don't even know that there's a path. There are cars everywhere going in the wrong direction. There are cars that are broken down. There are cars that somebody's locked up. There are those who have been speeding away from the start line. And so the first thing that God does is send Jesus a come down in God's own self in the person of Jesus to get every single racer gathered up and turned around and made fit justified, made complete and whole, and fixes up every car so they can complete the race to win the trophy. Each racer must now come to trust that this is indeed goodness and love, and they have been turned around and fixed for glory. 
Now as the race begins, the goal is not to see who gets to the end first, but that everyone, everyone, make it through to the glory of God. So on this race, Jesus breaks the stones that try to crush people. And Jesus faces the fire that helps other people face it too and even work as a group to put the fires out. And when it comes to the lava pit, God in Jesus jumps in. Not because God is angry and Jesus had to die to pay a price. God jumps in in Jesus to get every person who has ever fallen into the lava pit, hell, out. And to drain it. To get rid of it. Because God hates the lava pit. God hates poverty and injustice and the guilt that torments us. This is the object of God's wrath. God came in Jesus to love us into wholeness, even when it meant going through hell. The cross is a sheer act of love. The journey itself is the path of endurance and encouragement and hope. Paul wrote this passage not thinking of his own future happiness, but being in the flow of the glory and power and the presence of God and God's love in Jesus Christ. God's power that transforms people and trans our world so that all people and creation come to know the peace, wholeness, and freedom of joy that God desires for everyone. It's a good story that Paul tells. It's a wonderful story. one that I hope I am a part of and that by God's grace together we are part of and we help one another along that journey and even bring some of the rest of the world. So, racers, start your engine. Amen.